Well, it almost feels like I don't need to preach a homily. Jesus went and he, he told a parable, and then he went on to explain his parable. So now what do I do? <laughs> Let me try to add a little bit to the words of our Lord. Not like, not like it's really needed, but really just so I don't get in trouble with Father Flores. I'm going to guess that if I asked you, and I, I won't embarrass anyone, but if I asked you, who wants to be amongst the first or the second or the, or the third kind of soil where the seed doesn't grow fruit in one way or another, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get a lot of hands. But if I were to ask the last one, who wants to be the soil that is rich and that yields 100 or 60 or 30 fold, that that's where we all want to be. That's who we all want to be. And I'd also venture to guess that most of us here, the great majority of us here on a ma- coming to Mass on Sunday, is maybe not, not for most of the time in the first or the second, second category. Maybe we don't need to worry about that as much, those two types of soil. But this third one may have caught our attention. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and he bears no fruit. Worldly anxiety and the lure of riches. These are the two things that Jesus is focusing on that prevent us from being rich soil and from his seed producing much fruit in us and through us. And of course, we have many different types of anxiety and the Greek here, I, I'm told, can be translated better as the anxiety of the age. So not so much world, not just worldly anxiety, but of the age. Or even better, the anxiety of the present age. Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago, and there were particular anxieties at that time. But in every generation, there are present anxieties. And we have ours today. And we can come up with a long list of them. Nuclear proliferation, elections, censorship of Christians, the climate, soft and hard persecutions, wars, pandemics, the stock market, rampant drug use, crime. Of course, all of you who are parents worried about your present anxieties include raising your children and ensuring that they're good people and good Christians, good Catholics. And for us, during this time, we have we have anxieties, present anxieties regarding our school, Holy Rosary School, who's going to be the principal, who are going to be the teachers. We have all these things that make us worried and anxious and fearful. Now, not only does the Lord say here that if that's us, we're not producing much fruit, that the word is being choked in us, but he also says in the Sermon on the Mount, He tells us to not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life. And he goes on. He's making that a prescription. He's giving that to us as a commandment. Do not be anxious. And so, at the risk of sounding too blunt, if we we fall to anxiety, we're being disobedient to our Lord. Now, it's one thing to experience an emotion, whether anxiety or fear or anger or lust or gluttony or any other. We're all susceptible to all of those due to being descendants of Adam and Eve. 
But it's another thing to feed that emotion, our own cooperation in that, in our own thoughts and in our own actions, in our own words. So if that's what we feed, then we're being disobedient to our Lord who tells us, do not be anxious about your life. But of course, he also tells us what to do instead. He goes on and says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying that's the prescription for healing our anxiety. And what does that look like to seek first the kingdom of God? Of course, time in prayer. Of course, meditation with the scriptures, coming to mass, receiving the Eucharist, going to confession regularly. You know, it's a good practice to go to confession at least once a month. Unless you're saints and you don't sin for over a month, then praise be to you and praise be to God for sanctifying you. But if you're a sinner like me, you're probably sinning during the month. So it's a good thing to bring those sins to confession, even venial sins. You know, the church teaches that, yes, we can't receive communion if we've committed a mortal sin and haven't yet received absolution in confession. But the church also teaches that by confessing our venial sins on a regular basis, not only are we forgiven for those, but we also receive the grace to uproot those sins for our, from our lives. And right now we have, you know, we have three priests that are assigned here. So that's, that's pretty great. Lots of opportunity for confessions. But there is also a fourth priest that's living with us right now for, for a few weeks. And so you may find, of course, the regular confession hours are available, but you may find us in the confessional before Mass, before Sunday Mass, or even during Sunday Mass sometimes, and, uh, and during weekday Masses. And you can always stop us and ask us to go to confession. And those, there's also natural things. You know, maybe it's appropriate to seek a counselor if there's extreme anxiety and we're not, we're not overcoming them. Counselor, therapy, psychology, good psychological books, these things can help. And the, our Lord doesn't say these things to us so that he can condemn us. Quite the opposite. We already know that we're feeling anxious. And maybe to hear that it's an act of disobedience to feed that anxiety, maybe even just feed, just provoke more anxiety. So that's certainly not my intention nor the Lord's. Rather, it's to bring these things to light so that he can heal us so that he can save us from our own sins, from our own anxieties. Okay, then he goes on, the lure of riches, or the deceitfulness of riches, is a better translation from the Greek. Something that is deceptive by having a superficial or apparent attractiveness that turns out to be illusory or false. Now, we certainly have all sorts of examples of these things in our lives things that we place our security in instead of placing it in the Lord. If I just arrange this properly, then I'll be secure. My 401k, my retirement, my entertainment, my routines, my food, my vacations, my hobbies. If I just invest in these things well enough, then I'll be secure. Or sometimes in political situations, especially in political races, campaigns. What is this president doing or that president doing? Maybe that's my source. That's where I'm, that's my lure of richness, riches or deceitful of riches, deceitfulness of riches. Because we know if, if 
One president is doing something that is threatening what I consider to be the right thing to do for the country. Then he's threatening my source of material security and those of my loved ones. And so he's now a threat. And he is now, that's now the lure. That's what's deceiving me in this world. Or even within the church. If this pope or that pope is doing something that threatens me, threatens my material security here in the world, in the church, in the world, maybe that's deceiving me. That's the lure of riches. And if I can just tell enough people about that, then maybe it will change some people's minds and then I'll be secure again. The lure of riches, the deceitfulness of riches in this world. What does the Lord say instead? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the antidote to our fears and our anxieties. Not to fix the world, but to place our hearts in the Lord and in heaven. We heard in the first reading one of the earliest explicit analogies between the natural cycles of agriculture and the fertility of God's word. Just as from the heavens and the just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down, so shall my word be. My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. See the point here, the word of the Lord is effective. It unfailingly brings about whatever it declares. The Lord is all-powerful. Just as the rain comes down and waters the fields, the word of the Lord achieves its purpose. But what is in us, what is in our soil that's preventing that soul, that word, that seed from taking root and developing and bearing much fruit? I'll share an image. This, I think, is the most valuable thing, one of them at least, that I learned in seminary. And I actually learned from this place called the John Paul II Healing Center. Very fitting for us in St. John Paul II Parish. He's a great patron for us. So in the John Paul II Healing Center, they teach this image of a tree. And you think of a tree has a root system, and that root system develops a trunk, and that trunk produces leaves and fruits. The tree itself is not choosing whether to produce good fruits or bad fruits. The fruits are being produced according to the maturity of the tree, the health of the tree. And the trunk of the tree is being produced, is being nurtured according to the root system. So think of this in terms of security is the root system, maturity, Purity, not just purity in the sense of lust or something, but purity in every sense, in every sense, purity. Pure fruits, good fruits, as opposed to impure fruits, bad fruits. When we notice impure fruits in our lives, we often want to correct them at that level. Oh, let me just fix myself and stop doing bad things and start doing good things. See, that's us trying to be the fruit 
that tells itself what to produce, what fruit to produce, produce, whether good or bad. Does that work? Maybe sometimes in some minor ways we can correct this or that. But overall, it doesn't work. And that's not how the Lord has laid out creation. And he gives us creation as an analogy for our our spiritual life. Instead, it's better to go all the way to the root system, to our place of security, to find out what rocks are in that root system. Where are we placing our security that's not the Lord? And the more that we place our security in the Lord, and the more that we would develop our relationship with Him by prayer, meditation with Scripture, the sacraments, sacraments, etc., the more that we do that, the more that our root system develops. And the more that that happens, the more that we mature spiritually. And the more mature we become, the purer fruits we produce. So it's better to go all the way to the bottom. And this is the source of our hope. You know, we heard in the second reading that we're headed towards eternal life. St. Paul talked about how all of creation is headed towards decay. You can think of entropy. You know, all of creation is going to end. All of it. Except our eternal souls. That's where we're headed if we choose it, if we say yes to the Lord. And this is the source of our hope. It's not that things will get better on earth. Sometimes they get better, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get worse. Just this weekend, somebody was was sharing with me, they were really concerned, a couple days ago, they were sharing with me, they were really concerned about things going on in the world. And then they said, oh, but we know how it's going to end. Meaning, we know that the Lord is going to bring, you know, good things from it and make it better in the world. Okay, that's, that's okay. That's better than despairing and thinking that it's going to keep going, that's, that, it's, that it's hopeless, that it's going to get worse, that, to be pessimistic about everything. Okay, it's better. But it's not all the way there yet. Remember, do not place, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's where we place our hope. And it's out of here that we live in the freedom of being redeemed. Now we're free to love others. Not with our love, but with the love of God. And if anyone is worried about not having that secure relationship with the Lord, that security in the Lord, just hear these words from St. Therese of Lisieux. You know, she, she's a canonized saint, doctor of the church, highest honor of the, of the church. But she and and her parents are also canonized saints. So she received a great upbringing. We know that. But she struggled with being insecure in the Lord a lot until until God intervened and God grew her trust for him. And so John Paul II at the homily of her canonization said this, of Therese of Lisieux, it can be said that the Spirit of God enabled her heart to reveal directly to the men and women of our time the fundamental mystery, the reality of the gospel. Listen to these words of John Paul II. This is the fundamental mystery. This is the reality of the gospel. This is the core of everything. 
The fact that we have really received the spirit of adoption as children that makes us cry out, Abba, Father. We have received the spirit of adoption. We are no longer alone. We're sons and daughters of the Father, and we cry out, Abba, Father. The little way holds a confirmation and renewal of the most fundamental and universal truth. For what truth of the gospel is more fundamental than this, that God is our Father and we are his children? So Therese is a doctor of the church. She can be our patroness in addition to John Paul II. And she's a doctor of the church because she lived this principle. She knew it in her bones that she was a beloved daughter of the Father. And that's where her security lied. Not anywhere in the world, but in the Father. And as such, she produced 30, 60, and 100-fold.